I, I couldn't do it because I'm scared of heights. So I have a huge admiration for anybody that does anything like that. Welcome to The Underground, the podcast for garden sector professionals, where we discover the trailblazers and innovators who are shaping the future of garden care in the UK. So without further ado, let's get down and dirty. This week, I'm delighted to say that we're joined by Linda Petrons, the Director of Fundraising at Greenfingers, to gain an insight into the work they do and their relationship with the garden sector. Linda, welcome to the Underground. Hello. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really, really pleased to have been asked to join you today. It's I feel a real privilege to be able to talk to you both. Thank you. Oh, that's oh, no, lovely. We're privileged to have you, so thank you. Absolutely. So for anyone who doesn't know about the fabulous work Green Fingers does, can you sort of just give us a quick overview? Oh, so the, the charity, um, so Green Fingers Charity is a national charity that's dedicated to creating magical and inspiring therapeutic gardens and children's hospices right across the UK. Uh, The charity's been around for about 25 years. And during that time, we've built nearly 70 gardens from as far north as um, Glasgow to right down south in Austell in Cambridge. Uh, That's an amazing project at Little Harbour Children's Hospice. We've worked on the Isle of Wight. We've worked as far east as uh, Norwich. Uh, We've worked in Wales. And we've created the most amazing gardens. And the gardens can be anything from play gardens, um, so very accessible gardens with play equipment, to woodland walks, uh, to memory gardens. And our latest project is going to be a kitchen garden, which we're really excited about. So a really wide variety of, of hospice gardens in children's hospices right across the UK. Well, that leads nicely onto my question, which is, are there any garden projects in particular that stand out for you? And what is it about these projects that make them so special? Oh, I've worked at Greenfingers for nine years and I've seen a lot of the gardens, sort of very old gardens and very new gardens. And there are a few that stand out. And one in particular is at Helen and Douglas House, which is a beautiful um a hospice in Oxfordshire and there we built a an all-weather structure so the hospice were really keen to get their children outside uh, enjoying their garden being enjoying being outside whatever the weather so for a lot of those children they were never able to be outside in sort of windy conditions or sort of quite damp conditions but we built this most amazing structure that's got a colorful ceiling that reflects um beautiful colors uh uh, on the ground and on beds and whatever's underneath it. Oh, fantastic! And it is—it's stunning. And and it was—it was—it's so well used by the hospice, not only by children and families, but children and their families, but also by the parents who want to get outside and away from what's going on inside the hospice building. Yeah. So that's that's a, a really brilliant way that you know the garden. It's not all about the garden. It's about you know sort of making sure that children can be outside, families can be outside, whatever the weather. And that's now being. A similar structures are now being replicated in, in other hospices who have seen the benefits that the children have experienced or the children and the families have experienced. Right. And then another one, and this is a really, it's sort of kind of on the other spectrum of, of what we do. And it was, um, it's a memory garden we built in 
Chestnut Tree Hospice in Arundel, West Sussex. And that's a hospice we're working with again at the moment. I, I did some filming with a beautiful family, a very young family who'd sadly lost a daughter. She'd been poorly since birth and then sadly passed away when she was eight. Right. And we walked around the entire grounds and we talked about the various uh, different areas and we talk, talked about a woodland walk and we eventually got to the memory garden mm-hmm. where there was a, a beautiful water feature and surrounding the water feature were, were pebbles with children's names on. And her daughter's pebble was at the very top of the the, sort right. of the area. Oh. And that garden was her reason for maintaining contact with the hospice. So when her daughter passed away, she still had a reason to go back yeah. to a to a, a place where which meant so much to her. So so that that's also you know a very sad part of a, a hospice journey, mm. but it's an incredible part of the work we do. I think a very important part of what we do. So rather than kind of just painful memories associated with the hospice, what you're giving as well is some rather beautiful special memories that people can cherish rather than just not wanting to even think about it. So I think that's that's lovely. Yeah, it was it was it was a very profound interview and it's one that stayed with me and I will never forget how grateful the family were to Greenfingers for providing that space. Mm. Um, that's so well looked after by the hospice and its volunteers still today. And it's lovely to see that, um, that continue to sort of bring some joy, really, and a reason for for going back. Oh, that's a really beautiful story, Linda. Thank you. You mentioned briefly about the kitchen garden. Would you say that is a a project that you are particularly excited about? Is that a new venture for Greenfingers? Oh, my gosh. So this is at the same hospice I've just talked about, Chestnut Tree Hospice. Uh And it's going to be amazing. So the hospice want want a garden where they can grow their own vegetables, grow their own fruit to be used in their hospice to feed their children, to feed their families. Wonderful. To feed their staff and volunteers. So it's going to be a very much uh, an area that's providing food, that's providing um, an area for education, for learning, uh, for bringing volunteers into the hospice to look after it, for getting children really involved in, and seeing how food is grown and that it just doesn't, you know, don't just go and buy it in the supermarket. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're in the very, very early stages. We haven't yet appointed a designer. Okay. But, yeah, very, very excited about it. And the hospice team are amazing to be working with. They have a great grounds team. So to have a dedicated team that look after their outside spaces, Goodness. we know that that garden is going to be really well looked after once it's built. So, yeah, very exciting. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I suppose that that is one of the issues, isn't it, that you build something beautiful. You've just got to, then you you kind of hand it over and just really hope that it is is looked after but it sounds like that is pretty much something that's in place for a lot of your gardens. Yeah so what we what we're trying to develop is a, a garden maintenance and makeover program ah. where we go back to old green fingers garden to gardens to make sure that they're usable that they've got seating that they've got um sensory plants that the garden can be well maintained by the the hospice volunteers so the hospice volunteers know what they need to be doing yeah right and, and that's is a very very important part of of sort of what we're now trying to achieve so we're not just building the garden gardens we're trying to help the hospices maintain them mm-hmm. um so I'm, that's an that's an area of work that i'm very excited about so we're not just going there to do a makeover like on tv you're going there building the gardens and making sure that relationships are sustained 
and you yourself also can make sure that it's being looked after. Exactly. And we, we know that the hospice teams are so busy yeah. you know, raising money, working hard inside the hospice building, yeah. that there's usually very little money left to be spent outside. And although, you know, it's really great to see that as a result of COVID, we're all enjoying our gardens much more than we ever used to. And hospices uh, are no different. They see the benefits, the real benefits of their children being outside in the fresh air, close to nature. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a great piece of work that's already started, but it's it'll be really good to see more of those makeovers happening um, in the coming months and, and years, really. So your charity works with children and families that are going through very, very tough times. But you yourself, Linda, I mean, I've met you quite a few times now and you're always so positive, so, so cheery and just, you know, you are an amazing woman. How do you remain so positive all the time? Oh, my gosh, I can't believe you said that, Kate. That's that's really so kind of you to say that. Um, well, I've worked in the hospice world for nearly 20 years and I've seen some real challenges and difficulties and you know, experience. I've, I personally have experienced hospice care. My husband died um, when he was very young, and our children were very young. Right. And I know that gardens and are so important to healing for so many different reasons. You know, being in a hospice bed and being able to look outside into a beautiful garden, or being able to move from a you know from your hospice room into a garden whether you're a patient or whether you're a family member visiting or a friend. So I've, uh, I say so positive because I know that gardens make a massive difference. They right. they make a massive difference, not just for today, but for tomorrow and in years to come. Yeah. The memories that, that families who spend time in hospices can be really improved um, or can be better memories by having that outside space. And that that's, that's one of the things that I, you know, I really value about the job I do and, and why I feel positive about the work, really. But also, also, I work with the most amazing people. I get to meet the most amazing supporters. Oh. The garden retail sector, I feel, have really taken Green Fingers into their hearts. And, yeah. you know, there's, there's, lots of, there's always lots of articles from lots of different charities. Um, but it's, it's amazing, absolutely amazing, astonishing, really, how, how the industry has really embraced the work we do and see the value of not only partnering with a charity, but um, getting involved in other ways as well. So yeah. yeah, it's making a difference to the hospice, but also building those amazing relationships for green fingers that enable the gardens to happen, make it, make me smile. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I've noticed within the industry, how they have taken the green fingers charity to heart, as you say, um, in your time working with the charity, have you seen a noticeable shift in that? I have. It's. I, I've been on this amazing journey working with Green Fingers. When I first started all those years ago, mm. the charity was very much run on a shoestring. Right. And to see the charity grow in terms of supporters, the number of supporters we now have, and the amazing things that they're all doing mm-hmm. to support, whether it's walking up or doing the Three Peaks Challenge, or whether it's yeah. doing taking part in Garden Relief Day or any other crazy kind of activity to raise funds. Um, there's a lot more happening. There's most definitely a lot more happening. And I also think that people, individuals and businesses, really see the benefits of partnering with a charity, that um, that, they're, that they're 
their staff can really connect with. And I think that's been an interesting thing to watch over the years, actually. You uh, mentioned there about some of the activities that go on for fundraising. Uh, I'm sure that uh, you've seen some quite novel uh, ways of fundraising in your your time with the charity. What are some of the more bizarre uh, ways and activities <laughs> that you've seen for people to raise money for Green Fingers? <laughs> There's been so many over the years. Um, so I think the standout uh, crazy ideas and crazy things that have raised significant funds and some haven't raised much, but it's just been brilliant awareness opportunities for the charity. Yeah. Um, we had a brilliant partnership with a, with a hotel group and a group of chaps um, were sponsored to have the green fingers hand, the green hand tattooed on their legs. So they wanted. Wow! Oh my goodness! Yeah. So they wanted to raise money, and that was their idea. You know, raise. If you can get me to five hundred pounds, I'll have a, a tattoo on my leg, and it'll be a lasting legacy of our partnership with Green Fingers, which was. I've never heard of that in any of the charities I've worked with, but no. it was brilliant, really, really good. And it raised a significant amount of money and there was lots of chatter about it on social media. So that was that was one of them. And then another one, we had a partnership that, this was incredible, actually. We had a partnership with River Island. Okay. And they imported 850 um, garden gnomes that were about a metre high, uh, just before Christmas in 2016, and they wanted to sell them in their shops okay. to benefit a children's charity that had a garden uh, relevance. Yeah, and they did a Google Google search. They found Green Fingers, so they sold these amazing uh, items that you would never expect to see in River Island. No, and raised over twenty thousand pounds for us. Wow! But what it also meant was that all those people going into River Island shops across the nation, yeah, were finding out about us. Yeah, and that had a real snowball effect as to you know what people were doing in the months ahead. And you know these crazy gnomes. We had lots of fun doing all sorts of you know imaginative things. Yeah, with them and yeah. So that was that was another standout. That's such an off the wall thing for a retail, you know, clothing retail to do, isn't it? Do you know, I can imagine a garden centre doing that, but for River Island, that's just, yeah, that's thinking out the box, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. It really is. And and then Sue Allen came on board. Sue Allen from Millbrook Garden Centres came on board as our chairman, and her and her daughter had their heads shaved mm. for Green Fingers. Wow. Um, and that's you know, I I actually quite like my hair, and I can't imagine. <laughs> No. Not having hair, you know, because I've chosen to have my head shaved. So what they did was um, was was just brilliant, absolutely brilliant to see. So yeah, that was that was quite a bizarre and yeah, but great, you know, great thing to do. Yeah. And that that's quite a simple thing to do. I mean, horrible thing to do, but quite a simple yeah. thing. Whereas I know you've had people doing wing walking, which uh, I think I'd rather had my have my head shaved to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, I have to say I, that's one of the that's one of the events that we go to, and I I'm terrified from the moment the first wing walker goes off till the last walker comes, but the last one comes back. It's like <laughs> it's a perfectly safe you know safe activity, but yeah, there's always yeah I I couldn't do it because I'm scared of heights, so I have a huge admiration for anybody that does anything like that. Definite yeah. element of jeopardy there. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Linda, if if um if a business or individual is thinking about supporting your charity, what what do they need to do next? Um, I think the best thing to do is to get in touch. You know, get in touch through 
our contact details are on the website because uh, we we love we love to see things happening but we also really want to support anybody that wants to do anything so whether it's supporting people with t-shirts or helping to raise the profile of what they're doing um yeah so get in touch tell us what you're doing let us know what you need from us um and let us shout about it on your behalf um yeah for me thanking our supporters is um whether it's supporting them through their fundraising journey or once they've given you know at the end of the journey um it's it's a whole process and it's a whole activity that we want to uh, be involved with and support um but we also appreciate there are lots of lots of things happening particularly in garden centres that just happen and you know they generate their own publicity but you know it's always really good to know what's happening out there so we can offer as much support as we can so other than financial contributions so giving money or raising money um are there any other ways that uh, businesses and individuals can get involved yes well, one thing we saw during lockdown and don't really want to harp on about lockdown was the number of people who got involved on social media right so they, they they heard about Green Fingers. Um, a lot of people heard about Green Fingers through um, Anne-Marie Powell, who's one of our patrons. The garden designer. Yes, yeah. She struggled at the beginning of lockdown and set up this amazing community, community where she talked every single day about what she was doing in her garden. So she talked about her yeah. own garden and she talked about her challenges, but she also talked about the work of the charity and from there you know, we've had lots of people doing stuff for us you know raising the profile of the charity or, or fundraising opening their garden um and that sort of thing and it so it's not for me it's not all about raising the money and whether you raise a pound or a hundred thousand pounds you're a fantastic supporter but it's also helping to raise awareness of our work so become an ambassador talk about us uh, we can keep you up to date with what what we're doing, what our plans are. Um, yeah, there's there's lots of different ways to get involved, and it's not always about the money. But yeah, raising helping to raise awareness is is really important for us. We're a tiny charity with a very small marketing budget. So anything anything helps. Anything positive helps. And sign up to sign up to receive our newsletter, um, and that you, you can sign up very easily by going onto the website. Sign up there, and then you'll receive the newsletter. On behalf of the um, the podcast, I'm sure you know if we can help at all, you know we'd be very happy to yes to do that to spread the word. Brilliant. We're going to take a short break, but in the meantime, it's time for Kate's corner, where we discover the musings and sage advice from the gardener guru. So, Kate, what's going on in the garden right now? Well, Phil, at the moment, I would say it's kind of your last chance to get pruning. So uh, when I mean pruning, I mean winter pruning. So we're talking about your apple trees, your pear trees and some of your fruit bushes. Basically, you want to get them pruned whilst they're still dormant, which means there's little sap flowing. So a lot less risk to disease and damage, but also you can see the structure because there's no leaves on it. So it just makes your job a lot easier. We talk about the three D's a lot in pruning, and that just stands for dead, diseased, damaged. So those are the first things you want to look for when you're doing your pruning, because we don't want them left on the tree. Make sure you've got clean sacateurs or pruners, loppers, whatever you're going to use, because if there's any disease in any of the trees you're cutting, you're just going to be spreading it around. Uh, So if you have got a problem, 
shove your shove your pruners in some kind of disinfectant between each different tree. So um, also look out for crossing branches because branches that are crossing, especially when it's windy, will rub and then the tree will have an open wound oh. and again, be more susceptible to um, problems with pests and diseases. But it's so important. And actually, you get such a sense of satisfaction after you've done a bit of pruning. But I would say kind of another tip is just to be a little bit careful. Don't go mad. Don't, um, you know, get your chainsaw out and just lop everything off. All right. So less of the lopping and more careful pruning. If you prune too much in the winter, it just encourages loads and loads and loads of branches to grow back. We kind of call them water shoots, especially with apples and pears. They won't be bearing any fruit. And um, my top tip after pruning anything is to then give it a really good mulch which is my oh, favourite thing, my yes. favourite word. Do you know all about mulching, Phil? Mulch. <laughs> I hope that's what you've been doing. <laughs> Make sure the soil is moist because one of the things mulch does is hold water in. So there's no point putting it down if there's no water in the ground. And even the fruit trees, you can give them a slow-release feed uh, just before you put the mulch on as well, and that will really ensure you'll have lovely, bountiful fruits to come. Fantastic. So, Phil, I hope that's what you're going to be doing this weekend. Perfect. Thanks, Kate. And back to the show. Can I ask a quick question? Justin, when you say you build the gardens, do you actually um, pay companies uh, to build them or do you get some landscapers that will build for free as part of the charity or do you prefer to actually have professionals that you are paying to build these gardens? Yeah, we work with um, professional designers and professional landscapers and we pay them, we pay them what we should be paying them. And the reason we do that is because we recognise that the, the gardens and children's hospices have to be professionally built. They have to be safe. They have to be, um, they have to conform to r- rules and regulations. And we would never want to put a child at risk on any project that we, we build. Um, but also we value their expertise and their um, and their experience and we don't want to be the bottom of the pile if we're you know if we're working with a volunteer just for instance a volunteer landscaper it it may potentially be that some other work comes in so that so our work would drop a little bit you know what I mean oh, no absolutely no 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 because people need to earn money so um but that's really good to hear because There's been a lot of chatter about horticulture being kind of not seen as an important sector or valued. And I know a lot of people I've worked with, we really feel devalued, especially with the latest report from DEFRA about horticulture at the Commons. Yeah, let's not go into that too much today, but I think we're all feeling a bit deflated. So to hear that you're not just expecting freebies, that people will work as professionals, and that just proves that your work is a high standard and that people want to work for you. So I think that's a really, I'm really pleased to hear that, Linda. Yeah, no, we we do work with the most amazing amazing people the landscapers and the designers are um yeah they they help to bring the hospice's vision and our vision to life really and and it's important that um that through the whole process the hospice hospices we work with feel confident with what we're doing yeah so yeah so it's massively important that we we use the right people with experience um yeah all the reasons you say, Kate. So so it's good to know that people who are, we are raising money, people are raising money for you. That money is being put to the best possible use, using the best possible people to build the best gardens. I think that is, you know, it's important to know that. 
So what's uh, what's next for the charity, Linda? Well, this year's a very special year. It's our 25th anniversary. Ah. Okay. So a couple, a couple of years ago, we launched an appeal to raise just over £2 million. That's £2 million and <laughs> £25. Right. The 25 being the 25 years. Of course, yeah. <laughs> um, so we're working hard to try and achieve that. So we've got... We're trying to raise that, that, you know, that huge sum. Um, we've got a number of events. We've got Garden Relief Day coming up, which is our big national fundraising campaign. And what's the date for that, Linda? That's March the 15th. Right. So there are sponsored walks. There's a sponsored walk in the south of the country. There's one in the north of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a sponsored bike ride. And there are so many activities happening in in garden centres and businesses around the country. Uh, old Railway Line traditionally have a, a curry and quiz night around about the dates. It's all, I think they're a couple of weeks later this year, but it's all part of Garden Relief Day. So, yeah, really, yeah, get involved in Garden Relief Day. That's that's an amazing thing. I like that, that you've got walks, you've got sponsored walks, and then you've got a curry and a quiz. I, I know which one I'd quite like to do. <laughs> And it's not the walk. <laughs> Can I also just say it's Relief Day with a pun on the word leaf as in L-E-A-F, isn't it, Linda? Is that right? Yes, yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. Right. And you can find, yeah, there's lots of information about that on the on the website. So, yeah, do do take a look and see what's happening. Brilliant. Um, and then in terms of gardens, we've got some very exciting projects. We've got the, the garden that I talked about at Chestnut Tree that mm-hmm. we're working on at the moment, um, we've got a, a new gardener, Acorns Children's Hospice, which is a, a lovely hospice in Walsall. But that's currently in the planning stages. And at Hope House in Oswald Street, that's also in the planning stages. So there's three. And also Bluebell Wood in, che- in Sheffield. We're building one garden there and making over a, a very old Greenfingers garden. So that's right. that's a lovely project. So yeah, getting ready for our twenty fifth anniversary, we've we've got a dragon boat race. Ooh. Wow, that's <laughs> exciting! So that's happening at Grendon Lakes in Northamptonshire, and we we did it. We did a dragon boat a few races or several years ago, and so this is the return of the the dragon boat race. We we really want to see old supporters, new new supporters get involved in that, and you know, with their teams, it's a great team building event. So yeah, excellent. If you if you fancy a Sunday out and bringing your team with you. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we've got the wing walk again. That's happening on the 2nd of May. So if anybody fancies doing that, Kate, surely you must be up to that. Uh, I think that. I'm really busy during May, Linda. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we've got, we've got some new events and obviously the older events that everybody's very familiar with um, taking part. So yeah, yeah, there's lots going on. Yeah. So yeah. Linda, I know that uh, Greenfingers yeah. has a presence at Glee. Can you tell us why you attend and um, how it helps? Glee's a, a brilliant platform for us. So it's three days where we are um, in a, a reasonably confined space where we get the opportunity to speak to our older supporters, our, our current supporters, older supporters that might not no longer support us for whatever reason, but also to meet new people as well. And it's... Um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a brilliant event to be at for so many different reasons. Uh, exhibitors, great to be, you know, working and talking to the exhibitors. It's great to be doing the same with um, the visitors to the show as well. And they don't always have time to stop and chat because yeah. they've, they've got a, you know, they know what they need to do and where they need to go. But it's always 
great that they do mostly find time to come and say hello. They look they they look at their brochure and see where we are, and they'll come and say hello to us and and yeah. tell us what they're doing, which is always lovely to hear. Um, and they're interested in, in you know what what our plans are for the future and how they can get involved. So yeah, it has massive masses of um, of, of yeah, huge benefits yeah. to Greenfingers for being at Glee. Do people? know about you pretty much throughout the industry and they come to you or do you still have to kind of do that marketing push it's, I think Kate you're right I think we are so well known in the industry that we do see people come to us yeah people people do come to us and we um but we always you know like to go and walk the floors to see what the, what's happening what's new that we don't know about and one, one thing I really love about going to Glee is that it gives me an opportunity to say thank you right. to those people that we perhaps haven't seen for, for some time. But I know in between sort of meetings and things, they've done some amazing things. So it's it's always a great place to go and just say thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I'll tell you what I didn't mention about Glee is yeah. Floral Thursday. Yes. Oh, my gosh, Trevor would have my guts for garters if I didn't mention that. So on the last day of Glee, uh, the halls go floral. Um, on We call it Floral Thursday. So we ask everybody everybody exhibiting or everybody visiting to come along dressed in their best or worst floral attire. <laughs> um, Excellent. It, it creates such an exciting buzz around the halls. It's, it's, yeah, on the last day when everyone's really tired, it's, yeah, it adds a bit of fun to the, fun to the occasion, which is really good. So that's a brilliant day to be at Glee. It is. And I'd like to say I've been on the winning team of the best floral dress team before. Not the worst. Although I think some of uh, some of my colleagues, my ex-colleagues deserve to be on the worst list. <laughs> Mentioning no names. Sean. I think you were on the winning team twice, Kate, I think. Memory. Yes, I think I have been. Yes, yeah. indeed. Yes. yes. I do love a bit of floral anyway, so it's no hardship brilliant. for me. Exactly. So um, we're going to move away from from the uh, the lovely NEC, <laughs> and ju- I'm just going to ask you, Linda, do you have a, a, a favourite flower or plant that will always put a smile on your face, no matter how kind of maybe a bit down you might be feeling? Yeah, I, I like. I, I sort of I suppose I look a bit old fashioned in that I like um, scented flowers. And my favourite all-time flower is um, is a rose. It's a cream rose and lots of significance personally um, for the rose. And quite often my children, when they buy me flowers, will always put a rose in there, whether they, you know, whether they intend well, which is really lovely. Um, but I love sweet peas. Oh. I absolutely love sweet peas. Um, yeah. And the fact that you can grow them, you know, they're not too difficult to grow and and that they have such a long you know, they flower for so long throughout the summer. I yeah, I just love sweet peas. Oh, the smell. I was gonna say the scent. Yeah. Oh, that scent is amazing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, that's a great choice. And just seeing them in the garden and then just picking them and, and having them, you know, even yeah. just on the kitchen windowsill or something. It's just yeah, lovely. Oh, thank you. And there are sweet peas out there that won't raise money for green fingers. Oh really? Oh, do you know do you know what, what they're called? Uh, there is a sweet pea called Green Fingers. That's a Mr. Fothergill's sweet pea. And a newly launched one, which I've seen on social media, so I can probably talk about it now, is Blue Butterfly, Sweet Pea Blue Butter- Butterfly, which is um, which is being sold through British garden centres with 
25p from every pack is coming to the charity and they are my favorite flowers i'm not just saying that for to give them a plug but it's yeah they are beautiful oh that's brilliant well we'll be definitely be looking out for those linda and um finally obviously you're a very busy woman in between all the trade shows and all the uh, the hard work you do for green fingers but do you do you have a garden do you enjoy gardening yourself I have got, um, I've got a, it's a reasonably sized garden. It's not a huge garden by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I enjoy garden. Yeah, I bought a greenhouse during the first lockdown, like lots of other people Ooh, do. get you. I know, I was rather excited. I felt like my mum. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this year. I've got some plans to, to grow the usual tomatoes and things. Um, in fact, I've got my um, step grandson coming to stay at the weekend, and we're going to be spending the time, some, quite some time in the greenhouse because he he also likes it. Oh, um, so that, that's oh, lovely. That's great. And I used to have an allotment, um, and I absolutely loved spending time there. But yeah, yeah, I just haven't didn't have the time to do the allotment and spend the time in my garden plus a busy job. So. Um, yeah, I've just got the garden now, but yeah, I'm excited about the summer. Really excited to be out there and and doing some nice stuff in the garden this year. Really, yeah. Fingers crossed for a good good weather, spring and summer. Fingers crossed, not just for us, but for the whole sector as well. Indeed, yeah. Well, Linda, thank you so much for chatting to us today. Yeah, thank you. It's been lovely catching up and just finding out a little bit more about Green Fingers. But obviously, if anybody else uh, is inspired and wants to find out a bit more about Green Fingers, do you want to just give us the website address, Linda? Yes, so it's www.greenfingerscharity.org.uk. And there's lots of information about our finished gardens, our gardens in progress and all the different ways that you can get involved as well. So yeah, do take a moment to visit and sign up to our newsletter. That would be great. Absolutely. I will will do that as soon as we finish this chat. Thank you so much. (laughs) Fabulous. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, could I ask a small favour? Please take the time to like, share and review us on your podcast platform of choice. It really does make a difference and will help others to find us too. To keep up to date with the latest happenings from the underground, head over to Facebook and join the discussion in the Underground Podcast Group or sign up to our email newsletter at theunderground.fm. We really do appreciate you listening, as without you, there would be no point to this podcast. And we want to hear from you. So if you have a topic or a question you'd like us to cover, drop us a line. Kate Turner, the Gardener Guru, is a horticulturalist, garden consultant, presenter and influencer. To find out more, check out her website at gardenerguru.co.uk. Phil Wright is a founding partner of Wright O'Bara, a creative marketing agency specialising in the home and garden sectors. And for anyone bringing a new product to market, they've created a handy seven-step guide to take your product from zero to hero. Find out more at rightobara.com.